Welcome to Pursuit Church Mornington Podcast with Pastor Brian Carden. The message you're about to hear will help you build your faith in Christ and grow in the knowledge of His will. Let's go right into the message. And I want to start by talking about, as a church, what are we pursuing after? As an individual, what are you pursuing after? And let's start in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Now this is Paul writing to the church of Philippi. And this is what is spoken right now. Not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider myself, or brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining toward what lies ahead. Come on. How many of you are pressing forward? In verse 14, it says, I press onward or on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And then one other scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1 through 5. We're going to jump into this. 1 Corinthians sorry, 2, verse 1 through 5. should begin up there. Is that there? Oh, it's up there. Man, I couldn't even see that. That's funny. And I came, and when I came to you, brothers, did I not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom? Or I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not plausible words of wisdom, We're not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Mm. So that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That your faith may not rest in the power or in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So Paul is speaking to the church of Corinth in this passage and saying, I didn't come in lofty speech. I didn't come with wisdom and all knowledge and Get you pointed at me? No. But I came to you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my message were not plausible in words of wisdom, but they were in demonstration. He said, I didn't come to you in words, but I came in demonstration of the spirit, of the spirit and of power. So that what? So that their faith, so say my faith. Your faith. See, here at this church, not only do we preach the word of God, but there is also a demonstration of the spirit of God. We demonstrate. That's why we believe on the outpouring of the Holy Ghost is not just dead and done away with with the early church, but we believe it's still for today. Can I get an amen? It still works today. You can still get filled in the Holy Spirit today and speaking in tongues, and you can still see the gifts of the spirit made manifest within the lives and the individuals in the church, his body. Can I get an amen? Why? So your faith may not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God, in the power of God, in the power of God. See, that word that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, it means this, preaching strategies centered to the wisdom of men around emotion, entertainment, a human personality that we can get a response from 
but it does not result in furthering God's kingdom only in that person. That's not what we're here for. We're not trying to build a church around a personality. We're not trying to build this church around a gift or a grace and an anointing. Can I get an amen? We're building it around him. That's what we're pursuing after. We're not trying to do all this within this region so people can know who we are and know the name of our church and know how great we are. No, we want God to get the glory in everything that we do. Can I get an amen? This is what we're pursuing after as a church. That people's faith will not just be in in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. See, there's many people that use slick and entertaining or even deceptive means to lure people into church. And they justify it by saying, well, we're drawing them in and we're winning them and then we're going to win them to Jesus. But this principle stands. What you draw them in with is what you draw them to. What you draw them in with is what you draw them to. It's true. We have to be careful in how we draw men and women to the house of God. Well, what if the church did this? What if the church did that? It would bring them in. I guarantee you it probably would. But God didn't call us to do that. We're not going to compromise at what God's purpose, his church to do. And I'll talk more about that next week on how Saul compromised. And he lost his kingship. He lost his anointing. He lost everything because of his compromise. But what are we pursuing after as a church? What are you pursuing after an individual part of the body of Christ? Is it what people say to pursue after? Is it what you feel like you should pursue after? Or is it from God? Have you spoken to God? You know, is the church that you're part of, do you know that they're following after God's will and purpose? It's important to know where God's placed you, that you have the vision down in your heart. But that's up to you to get it. And how do you do that? Come to church. Come to our pursuit. Be involved. Partner with your life in this thing, if I can say it that way. You gotta be here. Because if you're not, it's going to be hard to know what you are committing to, and usually you'll never commit to it because it's not in you. It's not in your heart. You know, as you commit and stay faithful to the house of God and be engaged and, and be involved, not only will it help you understand where God's placed you, but it will also help the leadership and to see your faithfulness and commitment in order to raise you up and put you in position in place to where God has purposed you to be. But we can't do that until we know that you're faithful and you're committed. So that's usually the issue that churches run into. You can't find people that will be faithful to the house of God, so you can't do much more than what you already do. You know, there's a lot of people that have great ideas and great things that they want a church to do, but if we were to do them prematurely, we wouldn't be effective in them. It takes men and women of the body to do those things. It can't just fall on the shoulders Of one person. So, what does that mean as a member of the body? You gotta be here. You gotta be present. You gotta be engaged. You gotta be involved. Because your involvement literally is what's going to cause us to be effective and produce fruit in this region. 
I don't know if you understand the importance of how you are important to this body. You matter. Your family matters to this body, to the growth of this body, to the effect of this in this region. We're not just going to church. We're pursuing after God. As a believer, what are our pursuits? As a church, what are our pursuits? See, we find that plans and purposes are what drive our pursuits. So in order to pursue after the right thing, the God thing, come on, say the God thing, we must align ourselves with God's plan and God's purposes, which will ultimately change our motives, change our heart, change our attitude to pursue after God's heart and fulfill what he has purposed and called us and desires us to fulfill and do. God, what is your plan? God, what is your purpose? I'll pursue after God. Is that your prayer today? Is that where you are today? God, what would you have me do? How would you have me serve? God, how would you have me give today? In every area, God, how should I worship you today? Let God get involved in your life. It's so easy for us to not get God involved, to think God is basically a gimme, gimme, my name is Jimmy. That's not God. And we basically treat him as this genie in a bottle, and here's your three wishes, and grant me my wish. That's not who he is. And this is why we never fulfill and see the full benefit and effect of his promises in our life. It's because our plans and purposes are wrong. See, many times the reason people fail, and even the reasons ministries fail, is because they have the wrong plan, purpose, and motive. Whatever you are doing for God, ask yourself, is this God's plan? Is what I'm doing God's plan for my life? God, is this what I should be doing? Now, look, it's easy to say, I'm going to do this, and God, you're going to back this up. Because I am moving forward at least. We've heard that before. God will get involved in your faith and your action to do and to do something to move forward. That's true. But at the same time, did you ask him before you started doing it? Did you consult the Lord, the Father? And see, a lot of times we just don't want to wait. We want it now. If that's the case, well, actually, let me say it this way. A lot of times we want it now, and when we do that, we end up losing everything that God intended us to have. Because eventually down the road, because you did compromise, because you did go too fast, because you were moving faster than God was, then you get out of his will, you get out of his calling, you get out of his purpose. And you can even be doing good things. Listen to me. You can even be doing the right thing, but still not being God's plan. I'm jumping into the next week's message. Let me stop. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just ready to preach that one. But, all right, a few more minutes. You see, this is God's plan and purpose for any nation, to get people saved, filled with the Spirit, and walking in the love of God. That's part of his plan and purpose for a church, for a body. No matter who you are, what your endeavor is, if your plans and purposes are in line with God, they will succeed. You'll have great success. 
the work and the labor that you do won't be in vain. Go to Psalms 127. Psalms 127. I'll let him pull up there. Psalms 127.1. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Now, when you look at this scripture, you see that he says that the house was built. Unless the Lord builds a house, those who build it. So those, who are those? Well, those are those. They are they, the people. They built their house, but it was in vain. See, you can be doing the right thing and thinking that you're following after God, but it still be in vain. The Bible says this, unless the Lord builds a house. So how does the Lord build the house? How does the Lord build your house? How does the Lord build? You got to consult him. You got to ask him, God, what is your purpose? God, what is your plan? I'll pursue it. I'll do it. And see, when God gives you his plan and purpose, what you do next is so important. Will you do it and be obedient? Or you say, oh, that wasn't God. (laughs) No, that's too hard. Or how am I even going to do it? Or I don't want to do it. It's obedience. It's having his heart. It's saying, God, I don't care. I'll do whatever you want. Whatever. I just want to do it. Remember that God knows the future better than we know the past. Man, let that sink in. God knows your future better than you know your past. Why do I say that? Because every time we look in future, we look above us or in front of us, we see our past. That's how we look at life a lot of times, by what we went through and by what we've done wrong. And that's what limits us and stops us from ever doing anything. You look through the church, through another lens of the church you've been, for, been at before. You look at what God's called you to do and purpose you to do with your business because the last business didn't work, it failed. It could be anything in the past that went wrong, and that's how you look at life. And it limits you and stops you from ever moving forward and from ever doing anything and from moving forward in God. But see, God knows your future better than you. God doesn't just see the beginning, he also sees the end. God has a bird's eye view of your life. And he knows where it's going, and how you will choose, and what you will do. Come on. This is why we go to the Father and say, God, what would you have me do? You obviously know, and what I should do. You obviously have a plan and a purpose for my life. I'll follow it, God. I'll do it. It pays in every way to wait before God and get his plan. It will pay to get his way and plan for your life. It's more valuable than you just going on and doing your own thing. There's more value in following after his ways. So many times we make our plans and then ask God, It's blessing on our plans, and he can't do it. 
See, it's far better to get his plan because his plan is already blessed. (laughs) It's already blessed. When you get God's plan for your life and God's plan for your own personal family, for your church, all these areas, we talk about an individual, a family, and a corporate level. I mean, even a pastor has to get God's plan for a church. He has to. Because we've seen churches that just started because of a good idea. And they don't ever walk in the fullness and the blessing that God's called them to. Now, the Bible says this, and I'm almost done. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. That's Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed, meaning that you live in a place within your body, within a system, within a world that is not after the things of God. Can I get an amen? It says do not be conformed to it. How do you not be conformed? Well, if you continue to read, like it says, the renewal of your mind will cause transformation in your life. Your renewal of your mind through what? His word. His word. It's very important for you to have fellowship and relationship with God if you are to fulfill his purposes and plans in your life. It's so important for your business, for your family, for your marriage, everything that you do, everything. And you know, when you understand God's plans and purposes, when other things try to come around that are not those things, you can see the difference. You can spot them a mile away. You can say, oh, that's not from you, God. That's not right. When someone tries to give you an idea of saying, hey, how about you do it this way? Or why don't you do it this way? You're like, because God told me to do it this way. So I'm not going to listen to that. You're able to discern what is right and what is wrong. Isn't that good? When you know what God's called you to, people can come, ideas can come, even feelings and emotions can come. Circumstances can even cause you to think, well, maybe I should do it differently. No? Can I tell you how many times that personally in my life that I knew that God called me to this area when I was 19 years old, and there were many different people, there were circumstances that I went through that tried to veer me away from ever coming here. And they were good, good people, good reasonable people that really cared about me. And they thought they were hearing from the Lord. I even had people prophetically speak over my life and tell me what God called me to do. And it was far from what God called me to do. Get his plan and get his purpose for your life. And people can't draw you away to their circle. This is why it's so important for you to hear the Father's voice. To hear the Father's voice. The Bible says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. That's John chapter 10 verse 27. My sheep hear my voice. Who's a sheep? Come on, we're sheep. We're all sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they what? Follow me. He's a shepherd. John 8, 47 says, whoever is of God hears the word of God. The reasons why you do not hear them is you are not of God. 
Who is of God? Come on, lift your hand if you know it. Every hand should be up there confidently knowing. If you don't know, who's a believer today? Well, you're of God. So raise your hand. How many hear God? Amen. Faith is an assurance. It knows. I think it's hilarious that we have so much faith to go to heaven and believe in eternal salvation, but when it comes to things on earth, we have such a struggle with it. It baffles me sometimes. Isn't it funny that we're believing going, that when our body goes into the earth, that we physically die, our spirit goes up into heaven with the Father. We believe that. But we have a problem believing for healing or for believing for our kids to come back to the Lord. Whatever the case may be, we have an issue. We, we, we struggle with it. Let me just encourage you. God is faithful to his word for salvation, right? Well, God's faithful to every single other part of his word as well. For your children to be restored back to the Father. For your children to be restored back to you as a parent. For your marriage to work and to not struggle in the way it's going. Come on. God can still work miracles today. Can I get an amen? God can still work today. And he is working. He's faithful to his promises. Believe today. Stand on it today. Trust in him today. If you mess up, it's okay. Get back into that place with the Father and say, God, forgive me. I'm, I was wrong. I was, I'm not going to say dumb or stupid, but I guess I did say it just now. My son would look at me and say, don't say that. I'm like, all right, sorry. And I'll say that lady, like, he's stupid. <laughs> um, but seriously, just get back in that place. That's how easy it is. That's how amazing our God is. He is good, man. He has provided everything for us. When you make a mistake, even when you go off and sin and do stupid things, man, you can run right back to the Father and say, God, I'm sorry. But it's funny to me that most people, when they do live in sin and they allow it to become habitual, they actually turn their heart from God and turn from the very thing that can help them. And this is why it's important for the body to look out for those people, is to help them, to encourage them. Maybe you see somebody that's not in here today. Give them a call, text them, see how they're doing. Encourage them, love on them, be the body. That is your plan and purpose as a body. Love the body. Love the members of the body. Maybe there's people in here that you don't know. After service, go up to them and meet them. Say, I want to take you for coffee. I want to get to know you. Not for the sake of just building relationship, but no, to exhort them, to encourage them, to build them up in the Father. Amen? Because, yeah, you could come in church and then leave, and that's... You, I did my Christian duty. If that's your heart, man, I pray for you that you just change. That you allow God to just till up that hard heart, man. Because that's all it is. It's a hard heart. The Bible says, I press on in Philippians 3. I press on. See, Paul realized that he had not yet re- re- arrived yet. There was only one option open for him. He had to press on. There was no turning back for him. There's no turning back for you. We press on toward the mark. See, the work of Christ for us is perfect. It's perfect. But within our life, We have to allow the Holy Spirit to work within us continually, on a continual basis, because we are not perfect. And it is a continuous 
happens day to day. And it will have to happen throughout your life. See, Paul understood this. He said, not that I've already attained this perfectness. He wrote from a place of spiritual maturity and a purity that I pray that we understand and receive as well. See, this is what helped him conquer all spiritual difficulties. This is what helped him conquer everything that he was up against. He never saw himself as perfect. See, there was no perfectionism in Paul. And sadly, as a church, sometimes even as Christian leaders, we like to cultivate the attitude that we've already attained. But that's a false, it's a false truth. That we're already perfect. We're not. But Jesus is perfect. Come on. And the work of the Holy Spirit, if you allow it to, it will work in your life. And it will transform your life. It will change you from being normal. See, that word press on meant that Paul put his hand to the plow and he refused to look back. How many are refusing to look back today? God, what is your plan? What is your purpose? I'll pursue it. It says that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. See, Paul pressed on for what Jesus wanted. His effort was put forth to do God's will, not his own. God, what is your will? When Paul said that I may lay hold, this is a very strong language that he used. The word is apprehend, and it's from the same Greek word translated attained. And it literally means to force down. He wants to catch hold of it and pull it down like a footy player or a football player who not only wants to catch his man but wants to throw him down on the ground. You ever seen someone tackle somebody? They grab him, then they throw him on the ground. This is the same wording that he was saying when I lay hold. Paul began this verse with the idea that Jesus Christ had laid hold of him. This is an important idea. Yet a lot of times Christians react to that idea by being a passive one. They suppose that Jesus got a hold of me, so that is it now. That's it. I'm a Christian and I'm going to heaven. But see, Paul showed a different attitude. Attitude. He was determined to lay hold for that which Jesus had laid hold of him. So one should ask, why did Jesus lay hold of Paul? Let me give you some reasons. Jesus laid hold of Paul to make him a new man. So Paul would lay hold of that and wanted to see the converting work of Jesus completely carried out in himself. Jesus laid hold of Paul to conform him into the image of Jesus Christ. So Paul would lay hold of that and wanted to see the nature of Jesus within himself. Jesus laid hold of Paul to make him a witness. So Paul would lay hold of both the experience of Jesus and to testify of that experience. Jesus laid hold of Paul to make him an instrument in the conversion of others. So Paul would lay hold of the work in bringing others to Jesus. Jesus laid hold of Paul to bring him into suffering. So Paul would lay hold of even that work of God in his life, wanting to know Jesus and the fellowship of his sufferings. You don't hear that much, do you? Jesus laid hold of Paul that so that the apostle might attain the resurrection from the dead. 
So Paul would lay hold of that heavenly hope. See, the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, as we see in this scripture, Paul was focused on one thing and would not let those things which are behind distract him from it. He pressed on for the prize. It's a deception to live in the past or in the future. It's a deception. God wants us to be in the present and pressing now in the present. Because the present is where eternity touches now. Paul knew that a race is won only in the present moment, not in the past or in the future. It's a high calling because it comes from above, amen? It comes from God. It's a high calling because it's worthy of God. It's a high calling because it is so much above the ideas of men. See, you've been called into this glorious call, and it is worth reaching forward for it. Come on, reach forward. Come on, just do it. Reach forward and pull it to you. You're reaching forward. That word in the Greek literally means every muscle and nerve is exerted. Isn't that cool? And he puts forth every particle of his strength in running. This is how we pursue God. We're running for our life. We are running for his life. Thank you for listening to today. If you are wanting more of these timely messages and teachings, go to our website at Pursuit Church Mornington to find all the other ways you can access Pursuit Church ministry and messages.